Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by MediaBytes.com, bite-sized training for photographers and creative professionals. This week on TWIP, Google presents rights-filtered image search options, plus Joe McNally's 2014 begins with a $1.32 royalty check, also instant plagiarized portfolio sites, plus an interview with Pulitzer Prize-winning photographer Brian Smith. It's Wednesday, January 15th, 2014, and this is TWIP. Welcome back to TWIP. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me this week on the show to discuss some cool topics and a lot more, Mr. Dan Ablin, Mr. Julio Shorio, and Mr. Robert Evans. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hello. Hey, Let's start with uh, Robert. Robert, I think you may be the person that hasn't been on in the longest amount of time. What's going on in the world of celebrity wedding photography, you know, the uh, the six-figure charging wedding photographer. What's going on with you? <laughs> yeah, stop spreading rumors. <laughs> okay. So I've been good. <laughs> uh, just got back from PPA. Of course, we saw each other there. Yep. Um, and I've been, uh, for the last year, I've been shooting for Sony. Sony, Sony made me an artisan, so been shooting Sony cameras and speaking a lot for them and really enjoying it. So you're so first of all, tell us what a Sony Artisan is and and I'm assuming you're shooting with that A seven, are you? Yeah, well I have many cameras. Yeah. Of um <laughs> I'm one of eight photographers, I guess, in the world that they sponsor. And so I am the of course wedding wedding specialty, wedding portrait. Uh they have some commercial guys, travel guys, couple one guy that does still and video. Um, so basically, we represent the brand or the DI or the digital imaging brand and uh, help educate other photographers. Uh, they use our images uh, in ads and things like that. And, you know, we get to do fun stuff like we did together in Nashville. I went yeah, on the, yeah, that was the fun. Sony Media excursion, and basically, I was just kind of a liaison to the media and answered questions, helped them use the cameras, and shot them shooting and shot what I wanted to shoot. It was fun. Yeah, that was awesome. We go way back and it was it was weird being on that trip with you because you were you're the you're the Sony artisan and I was there as media. So you had to treat <laughs> me nicely. <laughs> so no that was cool. Well, welcome to the show man. It's a pleasure to have you no, on and honor. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, you're welcome. And also up is another good friend of mine, Mr. Julio Shorio. What's going on Julio from Small Camera Big Picture? Hey what up Frederick man? Oh, yeah, man. what's going on in your world? We just we we were just hanging out what twenty four hours ago at Imaging USA in in yeah. Phoenix, right? Yeah, I, I, that was a great show. It was a small show, but I gotta say it was a good time. What really good time? Um, yeah, yeah, it was a ton of fun. And you you always have at least a dozen or so projects and pro things going on. What's what's at the top of your list of things to do like in the next couple of months? Um, well, some things that will be announced soon. And then Some, perhaps, well, there's the secret thing, redacted, redacted, and then that other thing. <laughs> and then and, um, possibly NAB, uh, WPPI. I'm speaking there. I got two. I got a show on uh, uh, introduction of 4K for photographers, and then one all about hybrid photography. So I'm really excited about that. And then I got 
some video on demand pieces coming out on how to educate people to on in making cinemagraphs using cool. a new app called Flixel. So and and Robert Evans is a Sony artisan, and you are on the Panasonic side, uh, Lumix Luminary, correct? Yes. So it's yeah. the the equivalent on that side. And what does that what does that mean? You're you know you're brighter than other people. You're luminescent. <laughs> the shine, dude. Look, there it is. Yeah, everyone that becomes a luminary has to shave their head, right? That's it. It's 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 bright, man. That's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I am I'm a, I'm I'm honored to be on the luminary team as as a professional using a micro four thirds camera. Uh, for my work exclusively, and and uh, one of the things you know that it, they talk about is hybrid photography, and so that's like my my thing. Like I love blending two and video together. Um, but similar, you know, to the artisans, we you know do workshops and um, trade shows, and whatnot, to help educate people about uh, and how, uh, what we're doing as photographers and how to get the most out of out of their gear. Yeah, I love that. I love that these large camera companies are doing that and tapping people to sort of get the carry the flag and get the word out about the different features and benefits of the product and mm-hmm. pushing it to the limits. I know, you know, it's a, you know, I don't know. From my perspective as a consumer, when I look at this stuff, and in a lot of the questions I got even a couple days ago at Imaging USA, people are always like, "What camera should I buy and why should I buy it?" And you guys get that camera all, that that question all the time. I'm sure that there's no right answer for it. So Correct. it's good that you guys are out there carrying the torch for these companies. What's interesting, though, if you don't mind me uh, saying so, is that, that you can see like the electronics companies, right, Panasonic and Sony are the ones that are really building a team of photographers or going out there or talking about the, the, you know, the, these cameras and the benefits of them and how to get the most out of them. But you know, the traditional camera companies have actually shrunk down their... Uh, Professional programs of the yeah. pros they work with. For example, there was no Nikon at uh, Imaging USA, right? Yeah, no, no Nikon at all. All right. Well, speaking of a Nikon shooter, Dan Ablis. <laughs> Good segue. <laughs> Good segue. <laughs> well, we got Sony represented, we got Panasonic represented, and Nikon represented yeah. with Dan. So, what's going on, Mr. Dan Ablis? Not much. I don't have anything cool like you guys. I wasn't a PPA. I don't have any sponsors. <laughs> no cool cameras. So good night. You need a little sign that says "Sponsor me." Available for sponsorship. <laughs> no, we've just been uh, actually pretty busy after the holidays, uh, doing some workshops, and then um, you know, for the main business, doing some 3D animation and a few shoots here and there, and off to New York next week for uh, some more consulting. So. You know, just doing the same thing, working on yeah. some new opportunities and some um, some new things, some new training stuff, some top secret stuff I can't really say yet. Of you guys, you're um, you guys are like Apple. You're like little micro apples. Yeah, well, you <laughs> know what happens if you announce things, which I've been, I've, I've actually done because people pressure you, and then, and then they get mad at you. Well, where is it? Of course, well, it's not of ready course. yet. Well, why'd you yeah. say it wasn't? Because you asked, but I wasn't. <laughs> so. Yeah. So but what about the I know you have a you you recently moved into a new studio space. How's that going? We did about six months ago, yeah. It's been great. Uh really works well. Uh we added a nice dressing room, uh increased the camera room to uh twenty by thirty, which is double of what we had before. Uh great big viewing room with um you know, full mounted H D projector. We had um I think I was on since September. We had um uh Porik DC here from Ireland. Um mm. And we hosted a workshop for for him and Sonia, uh, and it, and it just worked out great because we'd only been in here a few months, so it was our first workshop that we could see how it could work. Where we've got you know the kitchen area and the study area and the camera area, so um, so we've been doing quite a few workshops here. Really cool, so. awesome. All right, uh, well let's jump into the show. Before we do that, um, 
just an update. I do another show with Doug Kay, who's also a frequent guest on This Week in Photo. It's called All About the Gear. And in this latest episode that I believe is up now on thisweekinphoto.com, you, Doug and I chat about the Sony QX lens camera, the QX10 specifically. And that's that little lens that is actually a camera that clamps onto your smart, smartphone. You take photos with it and that sort of thing. So uh, definitely roll over there and check that out if you get a chance. Also, um, looks like I'm going to be going to Paris soon with Valérie Jardin in, uh, in, I guess, a couple months here. We're going to be heading out there. I'm going to be tagging along to learn how to do street photography. <laughs> So, you should come to our. Uh, you should come to Chicago too. I should come to Chicago. I haven't been invited. No one invited me. Well, you know what? Because Valerie and I are doing a Chicago workshop. So. Oh, I, I'll come along. I actually have some peeps in Chicago, so I will. Uh, I will so you out. you need to go all the way to Paris to learn how to do street photography. <laughs> well, their their streets are really, better than most streets on the planet. So. I I like what the better justification. Place? <laughs> What's that? I like the justification. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hey, come on. And it's Paris. Come on. Would you turn it That's down? That's awesome. No. Yeah. yeah, why not? And I'm going to bring my uh I'm bringing my Panasonic GX7 with me exclusively to shoot it mirrorless oh. little tiny. I'm rolling I'm rolling light. I'm not bringing a laptop. I'm only bringing my my uh iPad mini and that's it. I'm going to cross the pond with no laptop for the first time in history. There you go. There you go. Good. Yeah, we'll see. Awesome. We'll see. I may be over there. You know, where can I? Where's the nearest Apple store? I need to buy a Mac. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by MediaBytes.com. It's bite-sized training for photographers and creative professionals. Now, MediaBytes is a new project I've created to help photographers quickly learn how to market themselves, how to use social media, as well as other photography-related goodies. These are online tips, tricks, and tutorials, all available on demand. Check it out at MediaBytes.com. Let's jump into the news. The first story here is about Google. So they, they announced rights-filtered image search. So let me read the... the little intro paragraph here. It says, Google made it easier than ever to find royalty-free images with its new usage-filtered search tools. Now, when users search on Google, clicking the Search Tools button reveals a usage rights search options or search option. Users can easily sort through images, categorize as labeled for reuse, labeled for commercial use, etc. So when I read this story and looked at this this thing, I was thinking, you know, for the show, does this mean that or in other words, what does this mean for commercial for, or for for stock image folks? You know, like the Shutterstock is a is a is a sponsor of Twip. What does this mean for those guys or any of the other image houses where folks go to pay money? Is this going to bite into their bottom line? Gee, let's let's start with you. What do you what do you think about that? I, I don't think it really is. I mean, I think maybe on the low end, but there's always going to be low end customers that want stuff on the low end. They're going to want stuff for free, and they're not really quality driven. So. I think, I think in that regard, um, I don't. I don't think it's really going to affect the sales that much. I can't imagine it would. No, you know, I, I I look at it. and I think there's a lot. I mean, it's like the long tail, right? There's a lot of people out there that just want the occasional image for their blog or, you know, for a report or something. They want to make sure they're getting. They're not going to get sued if they get it. And it seems like this is Google is is turning a switch that says, hey, for all you folks, you can just get it over here. And I would imagine that those numbers represent a significant amount of revenue for the big micro-stock agencies. Dan, what, what, about, what do you think about this? Yeah, I still think there's a, a good bit of people that really don't care either way, and they're just going to take what they want. They're going to steal but, it, yeah. 
Yeah, but then there, then there's you know the people that are going to buy commercial photography. There's that end. So that I think it might help this middle ground where there's people that are conscious of it. And let's say you're doing, which is what I've had to do, you're doing something for a proposal and you want to just pull a few images. And you, you know you don't want to really take anything, even though you're not selling it, but it's in your proposal, it's in your report or your brochure, whatever you're doing. Yeah. Um, I think it's actually a nice thing to search for that because I've bought just $5 images um, you know, from like Envato. If you go to their website, they've got some really great stock stuff, really inexpensive, and it's you know license-free just for one little image. But now if I can search and find one to save five bucks, hey, great. Yeah, find, you, know. you can find something that's good enough. It doesn't have to be over the moon. Exactly. It's good enough. Exactly. You know? you know, and then I even even today and looking through the show notes, I went and did a search, just punched in my name, punched in a few people I know, and then filtered down. And sure enough, I mean, it filtered out pretty well. There's I found none of my stuff because nothing's tagged like that. Um, it could also be a way to generate revenue, too, if it starts catching on where things are available for commercial use, where you give kind of a small one, sort of like a free app in a way, and then if you want the better stuff, you got to buy it. So maybe you put out some really good images and start your own kind of stock agency or stock selling or make a little extra money on the side, and hey, by the way, here's the high-res one for a few bucks more if you want. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so use it as a revenue engine, put out Mm -hmm. or put out a crappy watermark version and say if you really want this. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, Robert Evans, what about you? You wedding stuff does this doesn't really apply that much, but I mean it's still image rights and usage and all that right. stuff. What do you think? Right. And, and I was uh, I kind of did the same thing. I did a little research prior to the show just to you know be a good student. And uh, there was like one point that I saw too. They were telling people to be careful and that like it might be misrepresented saying that, that you could use that particular image, but yet when they searched back, then it actually it didn't belong to them because it came from a different site that actually took it. Or you know, so you'd have to be careful getting yourself in trouble. But going back to what Dan said, uh, that's a real interesting concept. Like, do you think that? You know, yes, we could all create our own little stock sites, and you know, if you want to think towards the future, that they were going to take down all the stock houses because every photographer will have their own gallery on their website that people could buy from. Yes, there will always be a big corporate client that will want a good quality image, but I mean, if they go directly to the photographer and now they're cutting out the stock site, you know, that could be an interesting topic as well. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I could see how that could happen, but I can't see how that would get big because I think. You know, when I'm looking for an image, I just want, like, if I go to Shutterstock, I'm going to search, and I just want them to dump a bunch of images on me that, that match my search criteria that are awesome. And I can go in there and pick the one I want, get it, download it, and get on with my project. I don't know if I want to go to, okay, I, I've heard of Robert Evans. I'm going to go to his site. Oh, there's some stuff. Oh, now i got to go to Dan's site. There, there's some stuff, you know. Right. But, but, you know, on the high, high end, I would. Because if I knew that you had exclusive images that only that are Robert Evans type images, and you know maybe it's you know one of the celebrity weddings you shot and you got the licenses to put one or two of the images online for sale, and I'm like that's the only place I can get those, then I would go there, and then I'm going to yeah. pay through the nose, of course, right? Right, but if Google search got good enough that when they're searching for that particular image. Just all those images that fit that right. come up, and they're all these independent photographers. And if your SEO is good enough, and you're tagging those well enough, and they're that specific, they will come up. Do you guys, gee, do you think there's any money in this stuff, or in in just just switching away from the Google thing, just stock overall from a photographer side of it? I know there's money in it. I did an interview recently with the Shutterstock folks, so I know that that folks are making money in this, and 
good money in this, but from from our sort of tier of you know pros and semi pros and advanced amateurs, should they be considering stock photography as a as another income stream? Um, I I certainly am not considering stock photography as an income stream. I'd rather share my stuff on Instagram and and you know Facebook and whatever and get get traffic to my site. Yeah. You know. Um, you know, I, I sell I sell licenses and production services to clients. So, so yeah, and I think you know what the other thing I think about though is some of the things you were talking about at Imaging USA and those those flixels or animated portraits. Mm -hmm. You know, those sorts of things. You don't see those in stock agencies, or at least I haven't yet. <laughs> not so, yet. Yeah, not yet. So I'm thinking that's a wide open door for photographers to start creating these kind of different products in there and, and sort of own that category. You don't think that's viable though? Um, I don't, you know, here's the thing. It's look at, look at like, um, like, okay, like Shutterstock or any, any stock agency that's got video, they already have a video clip. And so if all they got to do is start busting out the, uh, Flixel and start making and have the in-house people make, make animated portraits or animated landscapes or whatever of those video clips and, now they got a library. They don't have to go back on and reshoot it. Yeah, and just just to piggyback on that, you mentioned Flixel. So who is who is Flixel? Flixel is a, um, a company that has a Cinemagraph Pro app coming out for OS 10, and right now it's available for iOS. Uh, they were a startup company. Well, they still are a startup company, and um, they were actually financially, I guess, they kind of rescued by Tyra Banks. Like they, um, yeah, she's like really. Model. Yeah, she's really into this stuff. She's really into hybrid photography, and so she's like saw cinema uh, Flixel and saw something in Flixel and decided to invest a, a lot of money. Yeah. And uh, you know, we 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 know the Flixel guys very well. They're awesome and uh, very forward thinking um, about photography. And uh, it's a, it's a killer app. It's I just, I finally got one. Uh oh. It is awesome, and I was using it today on a shoot. Wait, we we lost you. You hung, your your video hung right when you were about oh. to describe what you got. <laughs> Say that again. You like my? I finally got a. Oh, you I, can't, froze. I, I can't. I can't tell you now. <laughs> I finally got. You'll have a, to go um, to smallcamerabigpicture.com. Right. And buy my and buy my CDs or two eight tracks or LPs. No, it was um, uh, Cinemagraph Pro for OS 10. I finally got a beta that's uh that's working uh very well. And I, I used it in the shoot today, and oh. it was fantastic. Awesome, cool. I got to get my hands on that somehow. Have you have you seen any of those at all? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, Carter? yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. They're at Flixel F L I X E L. Because I remember like a year ago, you know, because we'll we'll watch America's Next Top Model and see what see what the shoots are. And I'm looking at one of the images. I'm like, what the hell's going on with that image? Because I had no idea what they were doing. That was <laughs> that was about a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really cool. A lot of people don't know about it. Yeah, and it's, a, you know, I, I, I was leading Julio, you know, asking him about Flixel. I know those guys, too, and I've used the app. I have it on my iPhone and iPad, and it, um, it, it's, it, it's, we interviewed them in Imaging USA. The, 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 actually, the, the CEO of the company came on the show, and Julio came on stage and made one live in a Hangout. And it was that easy. It's only it's like you would think it's like it's like finger painting. So you take a clip of video and you just kind of paint over the area that you want to be in motion, and everything else is frozen, and that's it. And you would think, okay, yeah, you do that, it's gonna look janky, and you're gonna see the edges and all that. It, they, I guess they put a whole lot of resources in math to not let that happen because 
it looks seamless. You know, well, the it big looks... thing is where can you use these though? Gee, where where can you where you can know, you that's, use that's these, the Julio? Bigger question. They 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 are hybrid portraits. This type of like cinematographs are designed for the age of screens. So really, any screen, uh, iPhone, iPad, uh, online advertising, digital billboards, any place where that, that has screen media, you can have a cinematograph on that screen and. Um, the analytics that uh, you get with it, I mean, you'll, you'll, I mean, I've seen four to five hundred percent more engagement in my uh, motion portraits, my animated portraits, than my static images online. Yeah, interesting. Okay, Robert, what yeah. are you, you? Have you seen any of these things? These these animated portraits, motion. Type? Yeah, yeah. One one of those guys came up to me and talked to me at Photo Plus, and actually, until you guys started talking about, it, I had completely forgotten about it. But I was um, on. Julio's site today, and I saw I was looking at, at it, and I was like, "Wow, that's really cool!" And I didn't really connect the dots between the two of them, but his like headshot, I believe, is like that. His headshot's animated, so he's smiling at you on the site, and he's blinking, and you can kind of see. And I was like, "Oh, that's really cool!" You know, I think especially in the wedding world, I think that would it'd be very effective. I think brides would want that, especially even for something to have on their phone, you know, to show their friends after their wedding. Yeah, or on Facebook, right? Right. Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy where stuff's going. I don't know. So, folks that are listening to this, if you, you want to check out Google's um, rights filtered image search, all you got to do is go do a search, <laughs> and you'll find it. They just click on the search tools button, and it'll reveal a usage rights uh, search option, and then you know that that's where you can kind of sort through the different kinds of rights that you want in there. All right, guys, let's move on. Speaking of of Stock imagery. This kind of speaks into what Ju- Julio was saying about not wanting to <laughs> become a stock photographer. Joe McNally, a photographer whom we know and love, has been on Twip a couple times. Um, he wrote a blog post where he shared his expectations for 2014 after he received a gigantic, like earth-shattering royalty check of one dollar and thirty-two cents. <laughs> so he wrote about how Getty Images must have been involved in selling the image and getting his cut, and he went on to say that, you know, basically how getting such a low amount might foretell the future of the photography's industry future. So I wanted to sort of point to that post, and we'll point to that post on thisweekinphoto.com, but just go to joemcnally.com and you'll find it. But for you guys, starting with you, Robert, looking at this, Joe McNally knows his way around a camera, knows his way around a flash or a dozen, you know, all linked together simultaneously through the CLS. Um... And if he is kind of saying the emperor has no clothes, or at least from his perspective, with that $1.32 royalty check from Getty, is that kind of an indication that, you know, at least shooting for the high-end stock market is no longer viable? What do you think? Well, what did Getty get? I don't know. Probably $7,000. That's what I was thinking. Here's your here's your one point one two percent of exactly yeah and it came COD <laughs> well it could go back to the argument like we were talking about before if like all these micro sites of photographers sell their own stock maybe they're gonna make more images and you know pull away from the big you know stock houses but yeah I think I mean just to address a bigger topic you know even in my in my world like. I think because everybody has cameras and iPhones and things like that, you know, photography is definitely uh, not as valued anymore. I know that's kind of an obvious statement, but yeah. people just think, oh, well, I could take a picture, so I don't. Why should I pay a photographer, even you know, for a wedding? You know, why should I pay you this much? Or, you know, because there's so many people doing it. It's just taken, 
it's not taking the art out of it because you can still be an artist with a camera, but it's just taking the, the value out of it. I mean, I, I always say that, and I won't curse on your show, but I mean, digital basically effed up photography in that way. It's done it's done amazing things for photography, but for that aspect of it, it's really you know done its damage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and this is this is a good topic because there's there's the the idea that the bar or the barrier of to entry to photography is becoming lower and lower and lower. You know, in other words, the the cameras that that the cameras, the professional quote cameras to create professional quality imagery used to be out of reach of amateurs. So it took a significant investment to get there. Now you can get some pretty capable cameras for under a thousand dollars and go to town with them. So is that? I don't the, think I don't even think it's the monetary investment. It's the time investment because think about when we shot film. I mean, I've been shooting 25 years, and I started on a Hasselblad, yeah. and that's what I learned on. And you had to know your stuff before, and then even when you did, and you made a mistake, and you got your film back at best two or three days later, you didn't remember what you did. So really, with digital, it's immediate gratification of just making that. Oh, okay, let me fix it. Let me fix it. Let me fix it. Or like you're saying, just put it in program and go to town. And most people, you know, can do that. You still can't teach composition, you know, technical like that. I was having a conversation with someone the other day just about you know, growing up with film and just the joys of actually printing in a darkroom and seeing your image come up in chemicals. Like, it's really sad that people, you know, especially a ton of photographers today, are missing that experience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It was, I remember the first time I saw a black and white print sort of reveal itself, you know, in the in the, in, in the whole the processing tray and smelling the fixer and, yeah. and all that, you know. That romanticism is gone, though. I think it's still there for for maybe a couple thousand people. But yeah. <laughs> for the majority of us, you know, our our dark room is Lightroom. I don't know, gee, what do you, what do you think? I mean, the the barriers to entry of in photography in general have lowered. Is that is that what's sort of taken the the steam out of the market in general? Because when everyone is super, no one is, right? Well, I I, th I think it's part of it. I, I don't know if that's. I think it's you know. It's a complex question, and there's there's, it's, there's no one right answer. But that's no, certainly of part of it. The entry level. I mean, okay, for me, I was a, I was a hobbyist and enthusiast for years, um, and then I went out and bought a, a pro level camera back in 2005, digital, because I and I started shooting with it. and I enjoyed it, and I said, you know what, I'm tired of working in corporate America. I'm gonna go be a pro, and I declared myself a pro, and my work was good enough, and I treated my customers right, and I started a business. Yeah. Um, that that's the name of the game, man. Buy your buy your camera at a camera store or big box on Friday and go shoot your first shot on Saturday. That's that's just how it is. So so, so, so as long Dan, as it's not a wedding. No, go ahead. Go ahead. What did you say, Robert? As it's, long as it's not a wedding. <laughs> it's it's everything, man. It, a lot of it's weddings. I mean, you know, yeah, it's yeah, everything. Yeah. Yeah, it is, and that's and that's what a lot of people are doing, right? I mean, Julio dropped out; he'll come back in. But what he was saying is the yeah, the barriers have dropped, and if he, like he like Julio said, he hung up his shingle and declared himself a photographer. Julio luckily is very talented and driven, and is doing a lot of cool stuff. What if that person? And Dan, I'm gonna throw this at you because you're in the wedding space as well. What if that person? No, I'm not actually, but well, portraits, right? So, portraits, yeah. 
what if that person, what if someone says, hey, I'm, I'm now a portrait photographer. I'm going to set up my Squarespace site. Uh, I got my new A7 or my GX7 and or my D7, whatever, and I'm out there and I'm making money. I'm going to charge people because my wife told me I'm a good photographer. I'm yeah. going to start charging for it. What do you say to those people that say, hey, Dan, I'm now your competition? I say, great, okay, because you know why? It makes me just do that my work that much better. Yeah. Um, you know, like you guys, I, I, I came from film days, shot a Mamiya, went to school for photojournalism, and I could outshoot them. They might get some lucky shots if they spray and pray, but, you know, I think it just comes in time where I've learned, you know, we're not going to be the photographer for everybody, for people come to our studio. And I was just explaining this to somebody the other day when they came in, um, who basically was saying, you know, oh, they had the mom friend down the street and it was good and it was cheap and they got all the digitals, but they came to the studio and they see really nice finished canvas portraits hanging on the wall that are framed that we show them their walls. We actually arrange in our software and ProSelect uh, how their portraits are going to look on their walls before they buy um, and we take care of them from, from A to Z and what we're finding is that people are kind of a little bit tired of this huge wide market of all the photographers that, hey, I shot my family and everybody said I was good. And you can see that on site after site after site after site, the same story. So what we're doing is just our little niche of just being really good studio photographers. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, it just makes you up your game. In terms of royalties, um, I put a few books back here. Um, I see that. I see that kind of inconspicuous pile of books back there. I just, I just, it just happened to show up there. It's just, they just, just they happen to be in frame during the they hangout. Just happen like. to be there. All right, and these are books I've written. Um, the first one was in 1996. There's a few more in here. I don't, they're in a bin somewhere. I don't know where they are. Um, Fifteen in all. The newest one just came out with Peach Pit, and it's an ebook. Hmm. Um, I've gotten royalty checks about two or three dollars. But I've also gotten ones back in the day that I could have bought a car, mm. um, and that wasn't every month. That you know, it's it's more complicated. You know, the way the percentages are and returns and all that stuff. But um, I think a lot of this, as well as sock photography and everything else, has gone away just because of you've got photographers on every block. You've got creative live. You've got stock agencies. You've got uh, you know, in terms of uh, people putting things overseas when it comes to making graphics, you know, rather than photography. It's just there's there's so much out there. It just dilutes across the board, whether it's stock photography royalties, book royalties, video royalties, whatever. Well, um, let me I, ask you this. So you're in a unique position, um, having been and currently are an author writing, you know, print-related yeah. dead tree books. And now you're you're making the transition into digital with the ebooks. Yeah. Is do you think you're going to write any more printed books, or is it now all electronic going forward? You know, you gotta at some point see your name in a Polish book because <laughs> it's just you know. Um, but you know, you kind of. I mean, that's it's really kind of cool to have that done. But um, and I feel bad for people that are coming into it that aren't going to get that. There's still something about holding a book. But in terms of writing it, when, like, this one down here is 1,200 pages, and, you know, sitting there and writing that, and then the cost for the publisher to do it, um, which then I get a small advance as I'm writing, 
that gets deducted from sales as it starts selling. You know, it's just like a six-month process between writing and editing and doing it. Where when we did these new eBooks with Peach Pit, um, you know, in a matter of weeks, it's written. There's a very tiny little upfront fee that they pay for, not not the author, um, just because there's no printing and there's no, you know, these these are not cheap to print. Um, so the funny thing is, on the ebook, the new ebook that's out, I earn pretty much the same royalty that I do on any one of these, or did anyway. These don't sell anymore, but um, and you're not, and you're not were, destroying any trees. Some of these were sixty dollar books. The new ebook's five bucks, and I make right. the same royalty. Right, right. Julio, moving back to you. So you're digital, right? <laughs> so you're you're waving the flag of of bits over atoms. Look at that stack of books behind Dan over there. What is it? Do you see a, a future of printed books in your, you know, coming up for you? Or are you going to stay all digital ebook online tutorials? Yeah, and I, you know, I've been struggling that with that for a while because I've been talking to, to uh, some some companies. Peach Pit is one of them, and you know, um, I mean, if, if the challenge for me is I make it making animated portraits, is how's that going to work out in a print? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I could talk about, I could write about it on a print, but I can't show. Hey, he, here's your finished. Uh, animated portrait, unless we put lenticular prints in there, <laughs> and then the cost goes through the roof. So right. you I, can make it like a very, flip book animation where they flip through the there pages. You go, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah. But no, but I, I think it's gonna. I think my stuff will probably end up online. You know, yeah. it may just go right to streaming. I mean, who could? I think that may end up being the place. Yeah. Now, Robert, you're so flipping over to the wedding world is traditionally. The the final output is always the book, right? That's the that's the that's what you shoot for is to create that book, and that's what your clients want. And prints or digital is is ancillary to that, right? Do you do you see, you foresee a day when printing will become secondary and and most things will be digital? I mean, I'm not going to say it's not going to happen, uh, but I think still for the, like the wedding album. Um, you know, I think people, someone mentioned earlier, I think it was Dan, that uh, people still like the tangible yeah. book, something to hold, uh, especially in a wedding album. And even the type of books that I use, like uh, I use couture books and they do more of like an offset print. So it's not your typical, you know, wedding album printed on photographic paper mounted to cardboard. It, I mean, it's a very nice published coffee table book that looks like you bought it at a fine bookstore, and that's that's what I like, so that's what I give to my clients. Yeah. Um, but yes, I could see, I mean, there's no reason that you couldn't take that same design and, you know, make it a, a PDF, you know, or somehow even mix the two, you know, like even in a, I've seen those very cool tablet magazines where there's stills and then the stills kind of come to life, and you know, so you can even kind of combine the two and talking about photographers, you know, mixing media. Uh, I mean, I dabble a little bit in video and take my little fun little Sony, you know, action cam to the wedding and shoot uh, time lapses of stills and record a little video. And, you know, I'm working on projects like that, like kind of combining all that media together in some sort of like mixed media slideshow, so it's just not stills to music. You have a little time lapse, little motion, bringing in audio even behind a still from a particular moment, you know, and doing all that with my little Sony cameras. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so multiple multiple media. I call that the multimediography. 
right? So right. mashing it all up together and giving the client something, you know, that's more than this, the, uh, you know, than any of the individual products could be by, on its own. Frederick, I think again? too, it's it's our generation. We're you know, don't forget, we're this is the new as we move into this, you know, like the millennials now that are coming up, they're they're growing up with digital. For instance, our daughter's school sang in Italy. The whole choir sang in Italy last year. So we went along and I ended up getting a lot of great photos, bought a D six hundred for it. I think we had talked about it. And I ended up making a, a small little book that we did kind of as a little marketing piece, a little nice thing to do. We weren't really making a lot of money on it, but um, Everybody loved it because with 120 kids and everybody taking photos, they still now wanted an actual book, a little keepsake because, you know, everybody had digital photos. Mm-hmm. Um, so for all of us, our generation, I think we're still used to that. It's going to be interesting to see what happens when that next generation, like my daughter and everybody else's kids, when they're our age, how will it be for them? You know, yeah, and I wonder, I wonder about know yet. I wonder about your daughter's daughter. What does that You're world right, exactly. look like? You know, is when, you know, the iPad and this tablet technology is old school, and it's like, mm-hmm. wow, this, you know, I'm, I, I always think about what, are, what technology are they gonna have, you know, twenty, thirty, fifty, sixty years from now that make these kinds of conversations archaic and and completely irrelevant. Yeah. So. Yeah, and Julio's not in his head. He's like, yeah, that's the world I live in. It's gonna be all digital. <laughs> So, I love prints, and I, I think I think an analog, a, a print from an analog source, analog all the way, is just beautiful, and there's something really just honest and authentic about it, and you cannot replace that. But yeah. you know, it just hap- it just happens to be for my business, it went in that direction, and once you know, it's like it's like Apple trying to decide to put a, a drive back in their computers. You know, I can't once I'm now I'm here, I'm doing stuff for screens. My business is growing. Quickly, and I'm 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 not gonna try to go sell those people a print. It doesn't sell my my company. Yeah, yeah, it's just a different way, a different way of expressing and and different products to deliver, right? Exactly. All right, guys, let's move on. This this last story we'll blow through really quickly. This is a I think it's pretty <coughs> pretty scary here. So, um, essentially, just to just to run through this, uh, photographer Suraj Kumar created an experiment that ran for one week, the first week in 2014, um, that essentially you could, or, you know, you would identify a couple of key bits of information, like a name, um, a location, an occupation, and generate a fake website for a fictitious photographer. And it would cull and, and steal images from the Internet to build up a credible portfolio for this fictitious photographer. <laughs> so... So, Robert, let's start with you. So, looking at something like this, what, this person did it as an experiment just to say, hey, I could do this. Right, right. What what if it got in the wrong hands and someone threw up a website, you know, made a fake site, put a, put a price tag up there and started shooting, you know, based on until they got caught with other people's images? I mean, can you see that happening? I just, well, first of all, I ask why. I mean, I guess why, you know, if somebody really <laughs> wanted to, to do to do that. But, I mean, more than just having a website, you know, there's it, just throwing up a website's not necessarily going to get you work. But, I mean, I guess it's a good start. But, uh, I mean, this has happened, not somebody creating a fake website, but I, I know you probably know it's happened for real in the wedding industry. There's been several people within the last six months that have got caught doing plagiaristic 
type things. Well, yeah, stealing tweets, stealing workshop oh. content, all kinds of stuff, right? Right, and even images. And, uh, you know, there's luckily there's Gary Fong out there to set the world straight. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, Gary, Fong, Gary Fong is the Ralph Nader of photography. You've got to put that link in the notes. But <laughs> I love, but I love, you know, there's actually blogs attributed to, like, image stealing and, you know, and obviously it's going on even without him catching it. But, I mean, I think ultimately cause and effect, you're going to get caught. Someone's going to find out. You're going to, you know, especially if you take a whole entire site and say this is my work and then, you know, it com looks completely different than what they're actually going to give you. And or if it's pulling from many different places, how is it going to have one consistent view? Like, you know, like yeah. I think most photographers have some sort of consistency within their work that, that makes sense that... God, a lot, a lot of thoughts go through my mind. Actually, something similar happened to me last summer. I did a photo shoot with Florida, and uh, it ended up on somebody's website uh, claiming that it was theirs. Uh. And, um, and how I found out is because the publisher and the record label hit me up, and they said, hey, this guy says he did that shoot you did with us. You know, and he was Twitter. He was sending out tweets at them, like publicly. Hey, great shoot, great shoot. You know, and I was like, what? I go, I go to, yeah, I go to his site, and I'm like, there's like, you know, half a dozen of my shots, and that's on his Facebook page. And you know, I I didn't get mad. I was just like, because I can only I, I just related it to like a mental illness because I'm like, I, I was, <laughs> you know. <laughs> But, I, I think, what, but what did you do? I mean, what was your recourse? Did you did you send him a assist? Did no. you just say whatever? No, I just I was just like you know whatever. He ended up pulling it down because they called him out. Mm. He's tweeting. He's tweeting to them. They're like, you didn't do that. G did that. Good. You know, and then and then it all it all went away. You know, but um, what an idiot. I mean, like yeah. <laughs> the thing the thing is, you know, it's that that kind of stuff is going to happen and. And and you can have people. People can can be a faker. You, you you can you know that's photography. That's a photography lifestyle, and that's the lifestyle now that that it's kind of follows like the music industry. Usually about five years. So you know someone can walk around, look like a rock star, look like a rapper, can't, and they can hold a guitar and they can hold you know the, the rad beats and stuff, but they can't rhyme. They can't play a tune. And it's the same with a photographer. They can go out and buy a camera, throw up a website, steal people's shots, and then they they go to take a picture and they can't they can't do it to save their life. Right. And you know, and that's the thing. It's like a, a pro, a pro is skilled. They're, they're going to be able to do. A, someone says, "Julio, make it. We want to make a shot. Make it look like you know a certain look. We want your flavor." And I can nail it every time. Whereas someone is that's not really. They're not really skilled in an area. They're just going to like you know, you shooting, shoot that, Hey, I got one. And eventually, you keep shooting, and you get a whole portfolio of stuff, and then, you know, you throw in somebody else's pictures you've stolen, and you know, you got yourself. Uh, Make a logo and away you go. Yeah, I know the the spray and pray style of photography that Dan <laughs> mentioned. Dan, Dan, you saw this this article, you know, yeah. create one click website with with uh, fictitious profile, all that stuff. Did it uh, did it make your skin crawl? What did you think? No, it didn't make my skin crawl too much. Um, it's just it's just kind of made me laugh a little bit because I, I think it's pretty nice that somebody actually pointed out um, what could be done, but. The thing is, it's just an automated way of doing what's already been done. And yeah. there's there's a website that I've followed. Uh, it's called stopstealingphotos.tumblr.com. Oh. And and what she does, I think it's a, I think it's a lady. She actually puts up um, the 
new photographer and finds the images from where they're stolen. And um, is that the one that Gary refers to? I think so. I think so. Yeah. yeah. And so I, she I've calls she calls before. people out on their she calls on people their out, stuff. and I'm still amazed <laughs> that people do that today because uh, they get busted. And uh, you know, might, they might get one or two jobs out of it, but then they get shut down. And yeah. listen, we're we're in a northwest suburb of Chicago. I mean, we're we're 30 miles from downtown. Um, technically, it's still a small community, and people talk. People know who you are. One bad word like that, it gets around, and yeah. people are tight today. They they're not going to put up with that. So I don't worry too much. I think it kind of goes back to, um, you know, if your stuff's out there, there's chances going to be stolen. Um, you got to protect it, and you just have to do good work and just keep pushing forward and not spray and pray. And uh, yeah, I, I think it, you'll you'll survive that way. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Interesting. So, well, listeners, I definitely recommend you head over there uh, or come to thisweekinphoto.com, and we'll have a link to all these all these articles that we're discussing tonight in there. Um, before we continue, guys, let's let's uh, actually let's just jump into some listener Q and A. This is. This is a segment where we get to answer a question that's been on the top of some of our listeners' minds. The, this week's question is from Jesse, and Jesse says, from the TWIP Google Plus profile page, she asks, can anyone comment on either Corel Aftershot Pro or the AD, ACDC suite of products? Would you recommend either of these products over Adobe's Creative Cloud Photography suite? Dan, what do you think? Yep. Uh, I can't say much for Corel, mm -hmm. but I was a big, big fan of ACDC for a lot of years before kind of this boom, before I went to Mac and Nikon when I was a Canon PC shooter. Uh -oh. um, I loved ACDC. I could open everything. I could convert everything. Yeah. Uh, and it was my general viewer, and it was fast. Um, but right now, Lightroom, Photoshop, you know, I, I love the, the monthly rental and the creative cloud and the... So per, for me personally, no, I, I don't You're think happy. those can take over it, yeah. Yeah. G, what about you? Corel, ACDC? Um, no, I've never used, never used either. never really had a desire to use them. Uh, my, I always used C1 Pro until recently, then I started using Lightroom. Uh, I kind of did Lightroom, C1 Pro, and when I wanted to suffer, I'd use Aperture. But, um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> a little self-flagellation there. That one. Yeah. I kid. Yeah. I kid Aperture users. It's, it's, it's funny because it's true, you know. But um, now I use, App, I use Lightroom just because it's so well integrated with everything. Yeah. Although I, I still don't think it's the best raw processor, in my, in my opinion. Right. Right. Robert, what, what do you say to this? Corel, ACDC? I can't speak to the other two. I've just basically been all Adobe all the time. Yeah. I've never really dabbled in any of the others, so, yeah. you know. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Well, I guess the answer to that question is we don't know, Jesse. Because, so. <laughs> I, you know, like, you, like well, Dan, I, I used ACDC. I never used Corel, but I, I did use ACDC back in the day a long time ago. And you're right. It was it was, it was was awesome back then, you know. And, but I haven't used it recently because, I, you know, my go-to software is Lightroom and Photoshop. For yeah, and, and I've tried Corel Painter quite a few times. Um, mm -hmm. I'm kind of a software junkie, so I'm going to try everything, and I've I've tried. Yeah, Pixel, and then you Pixel tried and put it there. or something, some other one I've downloaded and from the App Store. Um, but in the end, they're all just copies of Photoshop. So yeah, it's like yeah. just just right. do it right. Yeah, <laughs> Photoshop. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, well, just to say, you know, do it right. Yeah, Adobe is is clearly leading the pack with Lightroom and Photoshop, etc. And for nine dollars a month now too. For nine dollars a month, but there are some other really cool tools there out is, there. Absolutely, is yeah. 
there's a ton of tools out there that are alternatives that aren't that aren't also RANs with Adobe. So and they're cheaper. So in in some ways they're cheaper. So yeah, dev, Adobe's not the end of the road for everything. All roads don't lead to Adobe. There's, and there's a lot on of your, different choices. It depends on your work. Yeah, and it depends on your work. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Whatever lets you get to your mind's eye, whether it be Lightroom, um, Photoshop, Flixel, whatever, that's the tool you should be using. It shouldn't be about, hey, let me use what Dan and Julio and Robert are using. What? You should be using that lets you get get to where you're trying to go, right? Anyway, that's my soapbox. <laughs> it's a good one to be on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people. We were talking about that at Imaging USA. Is like people. I think it was at lunch or something. People, they, which is awesome, I think, and it, we all do this. You identify with someone that you admire. Like, I want to be a wedding photographer. Robert Evans' work is outstanding. I'm going to get all the gear that Robert got, and I'm going to build a website that looks like Robert's. I'm going to shave my head. I'm going you know, to get a black background. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, you know, and I can't go wrong that way. When it should be the reverse, you should be, right. you should say, hey, this is the kind of stuff that I want to do. How do I get there? You know, how do I get to there from here? Yeah, I think that's super important. It's just as far as, I mean, again, that's a big topic. I won't be too long. But one of the things I talked about in my platform at Imaging and that I've been talking about is just, you know, what I call finding your own vision and really encouraging photographers to kind of shoot from their heart and finding what is unique to them and what that little voice inside tells them that they want to do and they want to gravitate towards. Because too much of everything is, is similar, and I'm sure it crosses all mediums, but, you know, I can't get up there and, and tell them that they're no good. I, I have to try to encourage them to find out what it is that will make them special. Yeah. And is this a talk that you have called Finding Your Own Vision? Yeah. It's, I kind of cross two talks at this platform, uh, but, yeah. Cool. I, I do that one in the Sony booth a lot. Cool. Awesome. And, all right, cool. I have to definitely uh, come sit in on your talk at WPPI. All right, guys, let's jump into the Picks of the Week segment. This is a segment where you guys can recommend something to the listeners as long as it is somehow related to photography. Dan, I'm going to let you go first. What's your okay, pick of the week? Okay, mine's really stupid because I didn't, I didn't go to CES or, uh, or imaging. Uh, mine is a new Jelly app from Twitter. Um, oh. And it? it's, it's kind of neat. Um, what you can do is actually take a picture. You don't have to take a picture, but I like it because you can take a picture and send it out, and who's ever subscribed to Jelly would see it pop up on their phone, you're asking a question. So it's like a viral question pro platform uh, that you can include photos with. Um, and now Give I've started to see a lot of brands. Give me an example of how you would use that. Um, for instance, I'm, I'm seeing a lot, of, a lot of companies, a lot of brands use it. So the other day, one comes down, Ben & Jerry's ice cream. Chocolate sprinkles or colored? And there's a photo of two ice cream cones. Yeah. And then you go and you log on. You just swipe and log on, and people comment on the photo. So it's like hot or not. Remember that? It is. Yeah. <laughs> <It's very laughs> like that. <laughs> That's pretty much what exactly what it is. Um, it's hot or not for it's iOS. Free, it, it's free. It's fun, and uh, you know it could it could go with places. Um, but I'm seeing a lot of companies jump on board with it now. So it could be just a good way to interact with people. Um, Hey, you like this photo or this photo? Just get people engaged with your work. Cool. So very cool. And what's the name of it again? Jelly. Just J E L L Y. Yeah. Dot com or what's the what's the URL? Uh, da -da 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 -da. let me see. It is. I think it's. I I don't know if it actually if they have a website or not. Is it an, uh, it's, it's, an it's an it's an app, right? It's an app. It's an app yeah. Okay. Oh, all right. Yeah. Just search just search for Jelly in the App Store yeah. and it will find it. Yeah. 
All right, cool. All right, well, thanks for that. From the Twitter people. Cool. From the people who brought you Twitter. From the people who brought you Twitter. All right, Julio Shorio, what's your pick of the week? Julio? Uh oh. I think he fell asleep. He's sleeping. It, it froze in the frame. It looks like he's. <laughs> yeah, I, can, I can't tell if he's just very still or is he there. Oh, no. It, it I think down. he froze. All right, while well, we're trying to get Julio back, Robert Evans, what's your pick of the week? So I had a few, and the one I decided on uh, was actually the Music Cam by Sony. Now you, oh. and I, you and I played with this. In the I Astro, have that thing. And I it have was the one. First, and it was the first time I'd ever seen one. And the story goes, when we walked into the booth, there was two new products. There was the Music Cam, and there was the <clears throat> QX10, which you referenced earlier. Yeah. And, and uh, I saw the music cam, and I knew exactly kind of what it did by looking at it, but basically so people could understand what it is. They took an action cam and combined it with a, a digital recorder, so it kind of looks like they crossed a zoom uh, and put a camera in it, so it has a uh, Zeiss camera in it. Uh, but the audio that it records is absolutely amazing, and they're marketing it to... Musicians, good. I'm glad you got it out because I forgot to go down and get mine. There it is. Um, and That's it's like silly action it's, cam. It's the size of your palm of your hand, or you know, or the music video of, cam. Yeah. Uh, and they're marketing it to musicians, and basically it has NFC technology in it so that you can shoot something. It communicates really quick with your phone, and you can send it right out. But the sound quality and the video quality, video quality is absolutely amazing. I actually bought myself one, Frederick, before they've given me one. Oh, you did? Because nice. I saw one. I was just searching them before Christmas, and I saw one on uh, B&H that was used. Um, and I was, like, I was like, come on, this thing can't have anything wrong with it, and it was 200 bucks. And so uh, I got one. There, I'm going to get one from Sony, but I bought one because I was so dying to play with this, and it's so fun. Like, But... But going back to the use for photographers, I think, because you know, they market it to musicians, I think yeah. it's going to be really great if you want to do your own self-content uh, because of the audio quality of it. You know, you just set up on a tripod. I'm going to take it to weddings and stick it, you know, talking about the cross-media like I do with my action cams, and I'm going to stick it in front of the bride while she's getting ready, and I'm going to put it on a tripod while I'm doing portraits, and I'm going to hide it in the ceremony, and I'm going to pull audio from it, possibly, and video, and make a hybrid slideshow where I I think the most impactful would be showing stills from those moments but then introducing audio of what the bride was talking about so let's say she's getting ready and she's laughing but I have this amazing photo of her and her mom or whatever but that's how I plan on using them yeah yeah it's cool I, I use it for um, like videos of obviously videos but but as a digital audio recorder and the audio the video from the the music video recorder becomes the secondary video so it's obviously a really wide shot so that becomes the wide shot I'll put right. the 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 regular camera with a nice long lens on it to get the blurred background and then I'll record the audio to the music video camera and then sync it all up in software later and then I end up with Really good audio and a two-camera shoot with you know two little tiny cameras. It's yeah. it's amazing. So and what are what are these what do these cost, Robert? Would you buy yours for how much? Well, I paid two hundred for it. The retail on them is three hundred dollars. Yeah, because I bought a used one from B and H. But but even for three hundred dollars for that little thing, I mean, I was so surprised at how inexpensive it was too. Yeah. I was expecting at least five hundred dollars. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's a it's a five hundred dollar thing, and the batteries are removable, by the way. So. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's a crazy little toy. I know Dan's online right now trying to buy one. He looks. <laughs> <laughs> he has like, the look of a man of who's on Amazon. <laughs> Awesome. All right, cool guys. Uh, it doesn't look like we're gonna get Julio back. He uh, he was in a hotel, uh, and it looks like his bandwidth may have crapped out on him. But I'm glad he was able to join us for a little bit. So my my pick of the week is this guy. Let me get it. So I bought this at the Imaging USA trade show, and it's this Me Photo tripod. I have yes. one. You got one? I have one. I love it. Look, you notice the color, right? You see a theme in the color around right, me. <laughs> right. I got, of course, I got the orange. Oh, you got orange, yeah. So this it's almost cool. the Sony orange. Oh, okay, got it. So what's what? All right, Robert, since you've had one longer than I have, I literally just bought this yesterday. Uh, tell me, tell us what what's the Mi Photo about? Why is it so cool? Well, I think you have a little bit bigger than the one that I bought. I specifically bought it. Uh, that's, that's, that's genetics, Robert. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do it. I, you yeah. know I could resist. That's all right. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I specifically love it because when it's folded up, it literally, like, I have a, a little nylon briefcase that I carry my portfolio in when I go to, you know, it's basically a briefcase size, you know, about this thick, you know, and it fits in there. You know, because I've taken it on planes with me before, so I brought my portfolio, and I had no place to put my tripod. Oh, I'll just stick it in the briefcase. Yeah. I love it that it's so small, and it extends about six feet. So for yep. travel, just to have something, I love it. It's light, and of course, I didn't even get the carbon fiber one, but you can get carbon fiber ones. Yep, yep. I didn't get carbon fiber either because it was twice the, the price right. of the, the regular right. one. I figure, you know, I can deal with a little bit more weight because they're so tiny anyway. And again, another product that's very reasonably priced. Yeah, I think yeah. that I think the one I bought was two or three hundred dollars. Yeah, this one you might have gotten the bigger one than this one. I this one was a hundred and fifty nine dollars at the okay. show. I think it might have been a show special, but yeah, yeah, it was. I had to get it because I wanted a, a nice, strong travel tripod, and I kept hearing so really which good one, things about this. Which one did you buy? Which one is it? Do you know? The I think it's it? the I think it's the day tripper or the whatever the one down right. from the that, biggest. That one. may be the same one that I have because yeah, maybe I paid two hundred for mine, but I bought it. Online. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's it's nice. It's a gorgeous tripod. It's got that feel of, you know, resistance when you when you extend the legs. So then they don't. It doesn't feel like it's loose. The even the 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 head on it feels very smooth. Show it again. Machine. Show it again without the camera on it. Oh. Okay. Let's see. I have to figure out how to use it. <clears throat> All right. Here you go. So that's it right there. So the way that you if, let me see if I can put this in its the shipping position. Right. So basically, it would go like this, and the legs would flip up. Push the yeah, push that button. Yeah, yeah. like that, right? Right. Uh oh, sorry. Like that, and like that. So yeah, that does look like the same one I have. Now there you I, go. Yeah. That's it. Just like that. That's small, it. small, compact, and sturdy. And ready to go. I feel like this this is gonna last me several several years, you know, of use and beating it up. Plus, the cool thing about this one is it um, one of these legs. This one right here. I don't know if you can see it has a foam covering on it. This leg unscrews. Right. It becomes a monopod. Yeah. It unscrews, and then the center shaft with the, with the head on it comes off, and you screw you screw that leg onto it, and you have a six foot monopod. Ready to go. It's crazy. 
I'm very happy with it. So anyway, that's the Mi Photo tripod, and we'll link to that in the uh, in the notes as well. <clears throat> All right, guys. We're at the end of another show, another episode of TWIP. At the end of this show, keeping with the artisan theme, I guess, I'm going to insert an uh, interview I did with Mr. Brian Smith. He's also a Sony artisan. I interviewed him at CES. So at the end of this episode, I'm going to insert that. We'll insert that interview, so be sure to check that out. It'll also be embedded in the blog post for this episode if you want to watch the video of me sitting in the gigantic, expansive Sony booth with, uh, with Mr. Brian Smith. So, and you know Brian, right, Robert? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's a good Great. guy. Pulitzer he's Prize really winning good. photographer, right? <clears throat> yep. Yep. He shot, really a really, shot a lot of really fun people, Branson and yeah. people like that. I'm I'm totally jelly and not the app. <laughs> Jelly.co, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> oh, I see that. Cool. Awesome. All right, guys. Uh, that's the end of the show. Dan, where would you like people to go to uh, keep up with you and see what else you're working on? Uh, well, I have to uh, two small plugs if you don't mind. Um, sure, go for it. New portrait book is out with Peach Pit, which I got a link in the show notes. Hmm. Uh, composition for portraiture, all about good composition. And then Valerie Jardine and I are doing a Chicago street photography workshop May third and fourth. Yeah. You know, I may come to that. Yeah, Fred, you, you should go to that one instead of Paris. It's probably a little cheaper. Why does it have to be an or, Robert? Come on. <laughs> He's just jealous. Uh, you're just uh, jelly, you're man. You're absolutely right, Dan. You're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, I know. Don't Me too. Jelly. Robert and I will go instead. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, so there, uh, according to Valerie, there's two spots left. Oh. Okay. Uh, and then it starts our waiting list, and that's for May. So it's filling up, but I think we can find a spot for you. Wow. So yeah, I'll go to that. Yeah, and listeners, join me in Paris if you don't want to be bored with Dan in mm -hmm. Chicago. <laughs> Come hang I'm out in take, Paris. We'll have a good time. take everybody to some interesting places. Yeah. Um, but that said, you can go to about.me slash Dan Ablin, A-B-L-A-N, and you can link to all my sites right there. Awesome. Cool. Thanks again for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right. And Julio Shorio lost his connection, but you can check him out at smallcamerabigpicture.com, and all of his social presences are linked to from there. You can't miss him. And uh, who's next? Robert Evans. Where are you at? Where can people go check you out? Uh, I'm probably most active. Uh, I Twitter a little bit, so that's at robertevans.com, or just at robertevans. My website, robertevans.com. My Instagram, Robert Evans. I'm sensing a theme. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Google Plus, I did do, per your recommendation, I think it's Robert Evans 101. What? And, Robert Evans 101? Yeah, they didn't have, I couldn't, I got a, I got into Google Plus too, I couldn't steal my f full name. Got it, got it, yeah, but, as long uh, as you're in there. Yeah, also, my recommendation was to get in there, not to use the 101, just for the record. <laughs> well, but you said make a custom name. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Instead of, right, right, right. Instead of the, you know, plus.google.com slash right, right, insane right, right, right. string of Wait, characters. and yeah. I wanted to say one thing. Sure. Uh, I'm, just find me on those places, but this is an interesting bit of trivia, Frederick, and you're a very historical part of this. Yeah. Oh. I've been on Twit before. However, this is my very first Google Hangout. This is your first Hangout? I've never done one. Wow, look at that. Well, I'm honored that uh, you allowed me to take your... your <laughs> <laughs> with your... <laughs> with what you were bragging about before. <laughs> I'm honored that you came on the show, Robert. <laughs> All right, man, this is perfect. Good. Now you have to do many more hangouts. You have to do oh, many more. Invite me. I'm, I'm, I always love to be on your show. 
Awesome, cool. I will. You'll be on the list. And uh, you're obviously heading to WPPI, right? Correct. Forty. Cool. I'll be there as well. So we'll we'll definitely hang four out. Four more days. Forty-four more days. Oh, six weeks. Yeah. So maybe we'll do uh we'll do an interview there live from the show floor. Maybe we could do another uh, interview in the bathroom. Yeah. You did. All right. You brought it up. That means I get to post it. Now I have to post it, Robert. <laughs> no, I think you should wait until Halloween next year. No, uh-uh, no, because i got to set the record straight now. You you let the cat out of the bag, that's being posted. <laughs> yeah, we did a very interesting interview in the, God, what was the name of that hotel in uh, in Nashville? I don't know, I was slumming it down the street, you got to stay in the nice hotel. Yeah, I was, I was, in, the, I was in the Royal Hotel, it was very royalty. Alright guys, well thanks a lot, it's been a lot of fun having that's you That's why you're in. the king. I was the king, I was King Frederick that night, and who were you? Austin Powers. <laughs> yes, he was. It was. It was uh, yeah. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna embed that. Maybe I'll embed that in this the, the episode for this show. It's it, people thought, oh, well, he was cool until I watched that. Yeah, I yeah. No, I was gonna hire him, and then I saw that, and now I can't. Hire him. <laughs> oh man, no, it's all good. It's all good. All right, guys, listeners, uh, be sure to revisit the newly revamped site over at thisweekinphoto.com. We put a lot of work into making that thing easier to navigate, very clean, very fast, and responsive on all devices. And finally, if you want to touch base with me, Frederick Van Johnson, you can find me at my revamped site, also brand new, frederickvan.com. And with that, it's time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production, produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar. Okay, here I am with Brian. He's, uh, he's one of the Sony artisans, and I want to find out, first of all, what an artisan is. And uh, we're going to talk about this mirrorless camera you have in your Yes. <laughs> and you're going to try not to let me walk away with it. So what's, what's I, a I do I do have a like strong wrist strap it just doesn't in matter. case. So. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so what's a Sony Artisan? What does that mean? Um, well, there's eight of us. We're the brand ambassadors for Sony cameras, and okay. one of the really cool things about it is we get the gear and a chance to like test it out under fire and That's put it through cool. all its paces and and give them feedback in terms of what they should work on next. Do you get the stuff, do you get the gear, like in, in the case you're holding, this is an A7R that he has here. Is this, do you get this before it gets released to the general public? Uh, this was this was the rare instance where I actually got a camera two weeks before it was announced. Okay, okay. So like a lot of times they're actually fairly secretive with us. We know, we know something's coming. We don't really know the details. Yeah. Uh, they're like, get this your was a big camera. Ready. All, all I knew is this was going to be big because when I kind of hinted at what I thought it would be, I saw huge smiles on their faces. Uh, yeah. So uh, they're like, I, you're going to love it. Don't yeah, worry. Exactly. We're gonna, yeah, and yeah. you know, I've I've come to learn over the years that um, when my Sony peeps are excited, it's a good thing. Now, how long have you been an artisan? Uh, they a launched Sony the, artisan. Yeah. <laughs> they they launched the program in 2008 with the launch of the Alpha 900. Okay. So. Uh, been shooting with the gear ever since then. Wow. Okay, so let's just switch into this guy, the Sony okay. the A7. You're one of the few pros that I've had a chance to, to speak to that I think maybe the only pro that I've had a chance to speak to that's actually 
had one of these cameras for a while and used it for revenue generating work. Yeah. yeah. How is it? Like going from a larger DSLR, like with the translucent mirror and all that, to this guy, is it, I mean, are there any compromises, pluses, minuses? Well, I think, I think the, the great thing to look at is, to me, a camera really boils down to a sensor and a lens. Right. So it's, the A7 has the same sensor from the um, Alpha 99. The Alpha 7R actually takes it up a step with the 36 megapixel sensor with no anti-aliasing filter. Yeah. And this is, um, I was blown away when I saw images from this because we made actually for the Museum of Natural History, we made four by six foot prints. And the detail even at four by six foot is amazing. It's wow. like, you know, you- Four by six feet. By four by six feet, Jeez. so. Wow. Okay, so so you're not losing anything. With, and what kind of things are you shooting? So I wanna- Yeah, when, so, so I think the perfect time to shoot with this is when you're when you're walking around street photography, photojournalism, mm -hmm. uh, travel photography, where you want something, and you want something lighter. Mm -hmm. It's yeah, it it causes uh, attracts less attention than mm -hmm. a big DSLR body, yep. but it's also lighter to walk around with a kid over your shoulder that doesn't weigh you down. Right. So I think that's the perfect situation. So much of what I shoot is uh, probably ninety percent of what I shoot portraiture is with a twenty-four to seventy, yeah. and they're just now this. This, um, the end of this month, releasing a 2470 f4 Zeiss lens for this, which That's that cool. coupled with this 55 1.8 would give me really everything I want and for one, most day-to-day -day one little body. So that yeah. so the 2470 is your go-to lens. That's absolutely go-to, and then okay. I want something fast to go with that. So. Yeah. 5518 is a great choice for that. Mm -hmm. But the other thing that's great about this camera, this is kind of what pros have been dreaming about for years of being able to shoot with any brand of lens on a full frame camera. Right. And now in a, you know, it, it's small to boot, which is great, but the fact is, you know, if you've got some like a, a rangefinder lenses that have been gathering dust. Yep. You can shoot with those the way they were intended. Like, right. you know, it's been great with the APS mirrorless cameras like mm -hmm. NEX to yep. be able to shoot with those. But, you know, when a 35 millimeter becomes a 50 or a 24 becomes a 35, it's, like it's right. not quite the same. Now it's like, if you shoot with a 24, you're shooting with a 24. So I've shot with a, a lot of my rangefinder glass that I had sitting around. Um, also still had a few Canon lenses that I didn't sell, That's like cool. the 85 1.2 and, yeah. and the 50 1.2 that, uh, you know, just are cool for a different look. So I've kind of mixed mixed things up. And then of course, all the alpha lenses with the uh, alpha adapters as well. So That's cool. really that whole arsenal of lenses to w work with. Do you find that when you're on jobs and the client is there on the job and they see a smaller camera like this, is there a stigma of, well, where's your big giant, yeah. where's the white lens? Where's okay, all okay. this magic? So, so guys, if you want to know the <laughs> trick to this, is what you do is you get all your gear and you have a table set up and you spread all your gear out <laughs> on there, which which actually we did on one it's shoot like where diversion. we had everything like, you know, you know, the, all the 20 lenses that I work with and shoot with, which I really have. Yeah. And, you know, by that point, they're not even noticing that the body's smaller. Right. Uh, the other thing too, it's like on, like a big shoot where I'm tethering and you know I want to have batteries at the disposal 
that's an instance where I'll put the vertical grip on this, which okay. you know brings up the form factor. It also makes it easier when I'm doing portrait photography because it adds the, the vertical release. So mm -hmm. if I'm shooting like this all day, I love having that uh, vertical grip. So by virtue of the fact that you that you need the diversion table, yes, does that mean that there's still that stigma in the pro space it's, of people I, I, like you know? Well, I think it's because like one, your work stands stands on it. Oh, who cares? Like, yeah. if you showed it with an iPhone they should be okay, it's Brian, you got an iPhone, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I, I have not shot jobs on the iPhone, so just <laughs> we'll get that clear. Have. Yeah, some yeah. Have. Um, but um, no, I think some somewhat it's like, a lot of times I'm, I'm gonna reach for one of those lenses where suddenly we go, wow, this would really look cool with a 300. So we have the thing sitting out there yeah. anyway, but um, I think people are more and more accepting. And, and actually what was interesting on the shoot was the clients were, were, I think they were more fascinated with the camera than they were with me, which is always great. Like I want them like to fixate on the gear and uh, you know, yeah. it's gotten, a, it's got a tremendous buzz, which a lot of people are already familiar with. So it's yeah. great to be shooting with it and the results speak for themselves. It's like, it's just really, really high quality. Um, right. You know, it seems like there's nothing because they removed the low pass filter on this, it seems like there's nothing really clouding the look between, between you, you and, and the subject. I yeah. love that. Which is a portrait photographer, what you want. You right. want to you want to capture them, not, you know. Yeah, uh, or not have a lot of layers of gunk exactly. between you and your subject. Exactly. Yeah. Do you think, you think 2014, 2015 is the year of less is more? Like, I see that as a trend, you know? Things are just downsizing, getting yeah, smaller, I mean, phones, everything. You know? I, I think absolutely, and people are used to that, you know, I mean, when you look at how, you know, cell phones have kind of taken that niche market over, mm -hmm. there's no reason that these cameras have to be big. Actually, when you think about it, you know, our, our old film cameras were a lot smaller than some of the big DSLRs of today, and there's really no reason that they became that yeah. large and cumbersome. Yeah. So I think getting back to a smaller factor, and you know, to me, I still, I still have my Alpha 99, but suddenly, you know, this is, the equivalent of the rangefinder for me, you know, where yeah. used to have the big SLR body and maybe a Leica to go with it. It's yeah. like, you know, you've got different tools for different jobs. Yeah, yeah. So in closing, so the tips for people that are shooting with smaller cameras, like just sort of ideas of, okay, how they can manage the shoot a little better. Like, you know, when you go out, or better, is a better way okay. to phrase this. When you go out on a shoot and your, your bag is ready the night before and you get ready to, you know, go, you, got the the shot concepted in your head and all that give us some tips on how when I step step on the set with a model or, or a subject how I can get the shot you know like is it is it about rapport building is it about comfort with my gear or all the above Which yeah well the two go together because mm -hmm. what you want to be is really comfortable with the gear where you know where all the settings are what's everything in the menu yeah so when the subject arrives it's all about the rapport between the two of you and an interaction yep. where it's like the, the best compliment that I've ever, am ever given at the end of the shoot is when somebody goes like, wow, I thought this would be tough. It's really great. It didn't even feel like we were doing a photo shoot. Yeah. And that's, that's what you want to strive for. You want to have it like a conversation between friends. So if you know everything the camera can do, it's just an extension of your vision. How do you get to that point, though? How do you get to the point? Is it just mileage on your shutter finger? A absolutely. You shoot, you shoot a lot um, when you get a new gear. And, and one of the things that goes with this is we get lots of pieces of new gear. You want to figure out what it can do. Yeah. Um, 
you know, what it's really capable with. It's like I've, a lot of times try to push the envelope and with a, a camera that's meant more for, you know, studio or landscape, I want to see what it will do with action. Yep. Uh, you know, just figure out everything the camera will do for you. So when you get in the middle of a shoot, it's all about you and the subject. Yeah, yeah, get this out of the way. Just exactly. Because, yeah. yeah. So I know we're, we're sitting at CES at Sony's booth here, so we're kind of in the nexus of Sony yeah, yes. love here, uh, but I'm going to put you on the spot. And okay. you're a Sony artisan. What's missing from this camera? Like, what do you, what do uh, well, you want? no, no, it's obviously the thing that, you know, is still in the works mm -hmm. and is coming is more lenses. I, right. I think, right. you know, the camera was a, was a big hit. They rolled it out with uh, uh, four lenses initially with the uh, uh, 24 to 70 being the fourth of them. Yep. There'll be a 70 to 200 F4 coming in, in a, about a month after that. Yeah. But, you know, I'm still asking for a fast prime um, uh, portrait lens, something yep. like an 85 and a fast wide prime, you know, 24, 28. Uh, you know, in the meantime, th there's lots of alternatives with third party lenses and adapters, yep. but, you know, I'm looking Native. forward to getting more of this FE uh, Zeiss glass. All right. This yeah, this will be shows. the Frederick Disco Party right <laughs> here know. at the end. It's ambient, it's totally yeah. fine. It would be weird if it was quiet back there. <laughs> yeah, it actually would be. <laughs> All right, so where, uh, you know, you've got a bunch of projects going on, I'm sure. You're always traveling the world and all that. What's the next big thing that's coming up for Brian? Well, actually, the big thing that I've got, and I'm under the gun for right now, trying to wrap up this week, is a camera guide on this this camera. So I've been shooting a lot with it, and we're doing for Beach Pit. For Beach Pit, we're doing a camera guide, the Sony A7, A7R, from cool. snapshots to great shots. Nice. So uh, if my editor's listening, I swear to God, I'm Ted. working on it right now. <laughs> Is it Ted? We'll have it out. No. It's not no, Ted. No, it's okay. Val. So okay. Val, I'm working on it. We'll get this thing out. Um, Give cut him some slack. Look what's going on. Come on. Yeah. All right, where can people go to see more of your work and be inspired by Brian? Uh, my website's briansmith.com. We also have a list of all the books on there, uh, uh, along with the blog, any that people can follow along, and then on Twitter, at Brian Smith Photo. Awesome. Brian Smith, thank you for thank sitting you. down in the middle of all this yeah. chaos to talk to me. I'm Frederick Van Johnson. We'll see you in the next one. Thank you.